Hello and welcome to Simple Blessings and Oils. This is podcast number 40. You can find the show notes at www.simpleblessingsandoilspodcast.com. Today we're continuing on healthy kids, and this is part three. And so we're kind of gearing more into having healthy kids as far as before conception and ways to help increase fertility. And so the best way to start with this is six months before um, conception. The first things you want to do is to be is to get rid of those pathogens like the candida, the fungus, the parasites in both mom and dad. Um, there's also a lot of foods that can help increase your fertility. These are also healthy foods for the entire family that you can can and should be eating if possible. So some of them would include cold water fish, um, wild caught fish. Uh, fermented cod liver oil. This one is huge. Um, if you aren't taking fermented cod liver oil, this is really good for your teeth and your bone structure, and it's just really good for your overall health. Grass-fed butter. I love grass-fed butter. I like to make uh, bulletproof coffee, so um, we always have grass-fed butter in our house. Grass-fed raw milk and cheese. Uh, pasture e- pastured eggs. Sweet potatoes, spinach, carrots, Lard from pasture-raised pigs. And the thing um, to remember about pigs is that they must be outside. And they you want them out in the pasture so that, you know, they're pasture-raised. But one other thing that I didn't realize until recently is you want to make sure wherever you're getting your pigs from that they're not chemically castrating them. Because if they're chemically castrating the pigs, that can also affect your meat and products that you're getting from that pig. So that is something to watch for, and it's something that I didn't even have on my radar, but it does totally make sense. Um, making sure you're getting pre- plenty of darky leaf green, leafy greens, fermented and lacto-fermented foods, coconut oil, bone broth, amazing, super easy to make, uh, sourdough bread and soaked grain bread. Um, I know we, in a pinch, grab like Ezekiel bread a lot because it's just quick and easy to do. I like to make sourdough. Um, My aunt actually taught me how to make it, and it's super easy and not as intimidating as most people think it is. Organic and pasture-raised organ meats like liver, um, mollusks, clams, mussels, scallops, octopus, and squid, and obviously having foods that are high in zinc. So your sprouted, uh, uh, I can't even say it, your pumpkin seeds, the pepitas, and the chia seeds. Um, Some of the foods that you should avoid, this list is really, really small, and it's kind of sad. I mean, I think it's great that it is small, but when the two things that you should avoid are soy and processed sugar. So soy is huge, and I don't think people realize how much soy we have in our food. It is literally in almost everything. So the thing with soy is it acts as an estrogen in our body, and we can find it even in things like BPA line cans. Um, We want to avoid it at all costs because it's going to affect our hormones and how they work in our body. And when we mess with our hormones, we're messing with our fertility. So we want to avoid soy and all of the likes of soy at all costs. But I'm really challenging you when you start looking at your breads, when you look at anything canned, you're going to find soy. Like I said, BPA, um, they're lining cans with BPA now, and that is something that acts as a soy in our body and an endocrine disruptor. Um, The other thing is processed sugar. 
And processed sugar, it sounds easy to eliminate, but again, that's in a lot of things. If you are buying anything processed and you're not making it from scratch, it is sometimes hard to avoid the processed sugar. So we have to be very selective with what we're what we're pulling off the shelves. Um, and especially the processed sugar from sugar beets, um, because sugar beets are GMO'd and the sugar is generally causes huge inflammation in our body. So you want to make sure to avoid the sugar beet sh processed sugar, especially, but you want to avoid all processed sugar. So as you can see, the list of things to consume is much greater than the list of things to avoid, but it is very challenging to sometimes avoid some of those things. But to have the best chances um, at, at having a baby and with our fertility, it's important to avoid those, the soy and the processed sugar. And it's really important to increase those fats, those good healthy fats, and all of those um, good healthy foods that are going to give our body the nutrients that it needs to support a baby and to make, to make everything work right and how it should. Um, a couple of notes to kind of take with you, um, just some things that I've learned over the years is that once we have babies, babies do not need food until they have teeth. Um, so there's a lot of research out there that says that a baby's gut is not actually ready to handle food until they have teeth. Because once their teeth pop through, then the gut creates the enzyme needed to break down food. So it's just some food for thought that when their teeth are there, then the enzymes are there. And then we don't have some of those issues that a lot of times babies end up having is because we put them on this time clock, like, oh, you're three months old, you need this. You're six months old, you need that. You're nine months old, you need this. You need to be doing this. And that's not the case. In general, babies eat around this time. In general, babies sit up around this time. But there are some things and some correlations as to how our body was were created and some things that maybe we should start taking note of and we wouldn't maybe mess up the system. So there's been a lot of research showing that that enzyme is not present in their gut until they have teeth. I didn't realize this. My ba Most of my babies had teeth early, so I didn't think that it affected them too much. But some babies don't get their teeth until they're a year old, which means that they really aren't ready to properly digest food um, until then. So I find that fa fascinating that that's kind of how our body works. Another note is thyroid issues are usually due to a lack of the mineral iodine and, and a lack of minerals in general, but iodine being the big one. A lot of people think, and especially me being from the Midwest, um, we tend to be even lower in iodine than those who live along coastal regions because they have uh, more of a availability of getting some of that iodine from like seafood type things because it's fresh and it's readily there. So a lot of people say that iodized table salt um, is the key. And actually, you don't want iodized table salt. I actually do not recommend that you buy it at all. I think it causes more issues than good. But what you're wanting to get instead to get some of that iodine naturally is you want a Himalayan pink salt or a black Hawaiian salt. Those actually have the proper minerals and iodine in them to help with thyroid function. So if you look at history, actually, the Midwest and people that are away from the coast were considered to be in the goiter region. And a goiter is a condition... Um, by your thyroid, they usually a big, huge lump there, and it was due to lack of iodine. So the 
I don't know if it who exactly it was that thought in all their wisdom they were going to add iodine to our salt, our table salt, because we salted foods and things like that, that that was going to fix the problem, and it clearly has not. Another note is that if you had a soy formula as a child because maybe you were lactose intolerant or you had some sensitivities or maybe your child has had soy formula, um, there's just a little bit of cleanup that needs to be done because, again, soy is an estrogen and we want to eliminate the effects that they may, that may have had on our digestive system and our body. And it's actually super simple. In general, um, an organic carrot every day helps to take the estrogen out of your body. So that's a good way to help reverse some of the possible damage done to your system. Super easy. Go grab yourself a bag of organic carrots and give them, you know, have one a day. And if you had kids that had to have soy formula, um, at that time, you can also give them carrots and help to reverse some of that damage that may have been done. Okay, another thing that we want to be adding is having fermented foods. This is huge. We want to be eating things like sauerkraut. We want to have kefir milk or kefir water. Um, yogurt is another good one that's fermented. Kombucha is fermented. Kimchi. Um, I've done a podcast on the difference between kefir water and kombucha. They're super easy to make, you guys. They don't take a lot of time. You can find them in most stores, but it can get spendy when you're buying one of them every single day. It'd be like having an addiction to a coffee shop or whatever. Um, if you have grandparents, they likely fermented some sort of food at one time or another. Um, or maybe you have somebody, if you ever go to visit anybody at a nursing home, whatever, a lot of times that older generation has that fermenting experience because that is how they kept foods, you know, good. They, that was the only way they had. They didn't have things um, like for refrigeration and whatnot. They usually had to ferment them because that was the original way of preserving foods before we had things like refrigeration. So call them, get a recipe, sit down and talk to them, find out how they did it. But these are things that are going to help heal your gut and they're going to help keep you and your family healthy. They're also going to boost your immune system and they taste really good, and there's so many fun ways you can make it depending upon what your you know taste preference is. So fermentation is huge, and you can start simple. I remember um, I even fermented pickles. So, I mean, obviously pickles, you know, you make a brine and whatnot, but there is a way you can lacto-ferment pickles because I have a cookbook I got, a, I don't know how many years ago, and it was called Real Food Real Fast, and it was one of the first books... I think it was a downloadable PDF that I had gotten. And it was one of the first, uh, I guess you could call, glimpses that I had of my own of how easy I can make really good food that's real and make it fast. And so that is another, like I said, another good way to go is just to Pinterest it. Find different recipes out there that are fermented and that are going to be good for you and your family. And it's not difficult. It's really not. I've actually made fermented mayonnaise and things like that. It's not as scary. You know, sometimes it takes a, a few times of making it, but you can do it. Um, also go for the sourdough breads and sprouted breads. The reason we go for sourdough and sprouted is because it's much easier on our gut. When we have sourdough, we are letting it ferment and that fermentation is good for our gut. It helps us break down what's in there. And so we don't have as many issues with digesting breads. Same thing with sprouted breads. You are taking the different sprouts, you're sprouting them and you're creating them into a bread. Now, I have never made sprouted bread myself, so I don't know the exact process, but I know there's some amazing brands out there. I know there's Ezekiel bread, 
which I am able to get off of a truck for a little bit of a discount. And I know that our local Aldi has some good sprouted breads there as well. So there's, there's a lot of options out there for you to, to check out and to find. Um, I don't know if you have any personal questions or maybe you have some amazing way that you are keeping your family healthy, but I just think it's really important that we start as soon as we know better, we can do better. So whether you're at the process where you haven't had kids yet and you're getting ready to start a family, know all the options, know all your choices, know all the different ways that you can create the best environment for your baby that you're, you're going to have. And if you have kids... Well, we all start someplace, and some of us start after we have kids because we didn't know any different beforehand, so it's all about sharing the information, learning from the things that we've done, and remembering to be our own health advocate. We're the only ones who are going to stand up for our rights, and we're the only ones who are going to stand up for our kids' rights, so that's important. Be educated, be informed, and make sure you check out all your options, know all your options. And if you're not okay with something that's coming across the table, whether it be at a doctor's appointment visit or, you know, at a consult you're having with somebody, ask questions. Find out if there's other options. And if you're not ready to make a decision that day, don't make the decision. Take a step back, tell them you'll go home think about it and come back with it. It even can come to something as simple as like a dentist appointment. There's times where, you know, I've gotten phone calls about, you know, should I do this at the dentist or that at the dentist? And I love that people are asking that question because by no means am I the be all know all, but I've learned a few things and I have resources. And so being able to share with another mom or a friend that is considering having kids you know, this is what I did. These are the things I wish I would have known and, you know, take with it and make that decision because it's up to you. You don't have to do what I say. You don't have to do what I do, but you have the information in front of you and now you get to make the educated choice and you can look further into the things that I've talked about and make the right decision for you and your family and, and go from there. So as always, thank you for joining. I hope you learned a little bit of something. You can find the show notes at www.simpleblessingsandoils.com. Again, this is podcast number 40, part three of Having Healthy Kids. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. God bless.